0: Every day, a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward, building wealth faster than most dream possible, almost like they have the Midas touch. On Breakaway Wealth, we'll unlock the secrets to breaking out of the herd, thinking big and building wealth on our own terms. And now let's join our host, the creator of Create Tailwind, and your abundance advocate, Jim Oliver.
1: Welcome back, Breakaway Wealth. I'm your host, Jim Oliver, and with me today is a business partner on a lot of fronts and a team member of Create Tailwind, Bob Burnett. Welcome back, Bob. Thank you, Jim. Great to be here.
0: It's, uh, it's been a little while since we've talked and especially on this podcast and um,
1: the world has changed a lot. <laughs> so- the world has changed a lot. And you know, you and I get together multiple times a week since we both live here in Southwest Florida. We both, uh, we've been friends for a long time. We get to play a little golf and Fishing and uh, pickleball and all kinds of stuff. So, we talk about things that are kind of going on out there in the world. And we um, think, man, that'd be a good episode for the podcast. And then we just, you know, for whatever reason, haven't put some of those things together. And we're hoping to rectify that in the next few weeks and um, get some of those subjects out there so people can think about them, research them, they can uh, come to us for help with them if they want to. But uh, just to kind of reintroduce everybody back to you, tell us just a little bit about your background. I think that's important because you have a great background. And just a a little bit about you. Sure, thanks. Um, I'm uh,
0: 56 years old. And I spent most of my career in the technology space, um, in fact, like I would probably call myself a technologist first and foremost. Um, uh, much of my career was spent at the personal computer company Gateway, the cow-spotted computer company. For those of you who remember Gateway, where I served as Chief Technology Officer and Executive Vice President of International. And in my role as Chief Technology Officer, that meant I basically led the product development area for the company. So. You know, my job was to figure out how to try to beat guys like Steve Jobs, which wasn't uh, obviously the easiest task in the world. But, um, you know, I, I, I tend to look at the world through, through the lens of technology. But, I, but I've also always had a passion for economics. Even back in school, while I have an engineering degree, I spent a lot of time looking at economics, um, especially at the macro level. And um, that certainly helped me in my international business um, uh, undertakings, but you know now in this world where in the businesses that you and I are working in um, together, uh, and and in what we do at Create Tailwind, it's become, I think, especially
1: important and pertinent. Absolutely. I mean, I I think about that even with this past election. And I think of some of the technology that is really available today that would have eliminated any uh, controversy on whether a vote counted or didn't count. I, I mean, the technology is here, and i hope that it's implemented um, sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I, I, uh, without
0: um, violating any confidences, I, I, I was consulted a little bit in in ways of maybe adding to that system and using blockchain technology in the future to hopefully make some of our elections a little safer
1: um, and easier and less controversial. Yeah, well, there's something, huh? (laughs) Regardless of what side of the equation you're on, when you look at it, it's just not healthy. So one of the things, though, too, Bob, that I think about or that we've been talking a little bit about is with all of the things going on in the world economically, you know, what's the future of inflation? What's kind of going on? What do we see happening? Well, I'm going to
0: answer your question with a question, Jim. All Um, right, I like that. My (laughs) wife
1: hates when I do that, by the way.
0: (laughs) And, um, you know, as I said, I, I, I look at the world often through the eyes of as a technologist. And so I'm going to ask you to kind of close your eyes and think back to the year 2000. Okay. And now think about what improvements have you seen in your life and in
1: society as a result of technology developments. Well, you know, I don't know if I nailed it right at 2000, but I remember being really frustrated with my cell phone. So I guess that nothing's changed there. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but my cell phone was a cell phone. It was just like your home phone. That's all it did was make phone calls. Um, probably my computer i don't think i can't remember if we had internet then but it sure wasn't very good
0: yeah, but it sucked frankly
1: yeah right it was real slow and i remember thinking to myself this would be really cool if it wasn't so dang slow right. and you know i think of my car um you know i had a radio in my car and that was pretty much it i don't think i had gps or anything like that um I, I sure couldn't check my pulse socks and my, and do an EKG on my watch. Um, exactly. yeah. So, you know, I probably could go on and on, but those are just some of them that come to the, yeah. come to mind.
0: Yeah. I'm sure everybody listening has some things in their mind that they went through. And, and, you know, if you think a different aspect of your life, like, you know, we are recording this through zoom right. change the world. That's been a little more recent, but The early indications of it, for instance, I started using Skype in 2002. So, you know, that was the precursor to to what we do with Zoom today. Um, The phone that you talked about um, now takes an unimaginable number of photos. Like the number of photos taken in the world is just blown away. And they're all essentially free, right? And the storage of those photos is free. Um, If you're a farmer... While I'm not a farmer, I do know that agricultural yields are way up if you you measure it on a per acre basis. The reason I'm going through all this is that all of these things should naturally be deflationary, meaning the world in and of itself always gets more efficient. And what that should mean is that things should be cheaper to buy. So just to give you a, a round number um, that I, I think most people that, that look at the world the way that I do would agree with, the wor- if the world got 1% to 2% more efficient per year on the whole, that would be a conservative conservative number. Uh, does that feel kind of okay? Yeah. Okay. So if you, if you extrapolate that then, and let's, let's pick the number right in the, in the middle, of that 1.5% if the world got 1.5% more efficient on average in a given year, that means between the year 2000 and today in 2020, we should have seen about a 35% decrease in the overall prices, prices in the world. Okay. It should have been deflationary at about that level. Yeah. Okay. But, do you know what inflation really
1: was? So it should have been a negative 1.5%. So do you know what it really was? Um, no, because when I think about that, I I think about they don't count some of the numbers that they or. Some oh, of, yeah. But but go so ahead, the go ahead. <laughs> yeah. in there but the way the <laughs> the way they count it <laughs> the way that they count it the the
0: number is in fact the Fed has a stated goal the Federal Reserve of the United States which is you know obviously controls most of the money in the world. They run through the U S dollar. They have a stated goal of 2%. And, um, the, the actual number is a little higher than that. So it's a little, it's a little over 2%. So whatever it took a dollar to purchase in the year 2000 now takes a dollar 51. Right. So, So what they would say is basically, you know, the dollar has lost about half of its purchasing power over that time period. But if you factor in the fact that they ate up the 35%, which was improved by technology, that should have been deflationary, that, you know, that's that's more a measure of the real inflation. And in fact, as you've said, they use something called the consumer price index upon which they actually claim to measure inflation, but it's really a false indicator because it it excludes so many different things in life. Right. So the reason, you know, kind of to go through this is that it's, it's on the surface, um, a, a really great indication of how our money gets manipulated and manipulated in a way that very few people really sit down and think through um and and by the what we're talking about today it's it's not it's not any information that's hidden it's just nobody looks for it like it's it's what do they say hiding in front of your eyes sort of data um so what i think this leads to though is we're in a we're in a really funky world um and uh I'll, I'll I'll give you a little story, a, a, a quasi-fictitious story, but to talk about the impact of what this what this does in the world today. Um, so as as you know, I have a I have a nine-year-old grandson, his name's Arkin. And if Arkin came over to the house one day and he helped me with some chores, maybe let's say cleaning out the garage. And at the end of that, I said, Hey Arkin, you know, thank you for helping me. And I give him a $20 bill. And I say to Arkin, Hey, Arkin, now, I don't want you to go spend this money. I want you to save it. So that when you go to college or you get a little older and maybe you want to buy your first house, that you have some money that you can use. The problem is I'm giving him horrible advice, right? Right. Because as we just pointed out, we live in a world where you can't give a nine-year-old $20 and tell him to go put it in his piggy bank. Yeah. Um, and um, it, it's a terrible thing if you think about it. That, that because of the way inflation works and the rate at which two per even the 2%, if you discount the fact that we should be deflationary, the fact that we're even inflationary at 2%, that presents a huge problem for a lot of people in the world um it it tells kind of people just getting started in their life that they can't save so if you can't save in other words if saving in the classic sense is losing what we're telling people is hey you have to put your money to work right i think and that's that's what the Fed wants. They want our money going into Wall Street. They want our money going into these other places. And it, it um, I don't want to call it a Ponzi scheme, at least not on this podcast, but um, let's just say that all of that continual flow of money into, into that mechanism uh, has a lot of benefit to right. people, maybe other than the ones even that are putting the money in. But it forces even a kid like Arkin into a high risk environment, which I think is terrible too, right? you know that why why do we accept this as a society? I think that's a that's a great question. Why do we accept a world where saving is not even an option anymore where you can't you can't get that yield um,
1: i I think that that's almost criminal so what what really they want us to do is they want us to put money in qualified plans, which mostly are based in Wall Street, right? Right. So why do they want us to do that? I know there are more than one answer to that, but one of the reasons that they want us to do that is that way they can tax us later. They're going to deflate the value of that money the whole time that it's in there, 20, 30, 40 years, and then they're going to tax us on it at a rate that they won't even tell us what that rate's going to be. Right. And they want to tell us that that's our most valuable asset. Because they have no other option other than a retirement plan. But, you know, Bob, do you know how many times retirement is mentioned in the Bible? I believe it would be zero. Zero. It is zero. Good, good answer. Because that concept, right? We don't want to get into the concept of retirement, but what they're telling us to do is absolutely wrong and misleading. And like you said, Social Security, by the way, is the world's biggest Ponzi scheme. Yeah. And um, and I'll say that on this on this um, podcast. But remember what Nelson would say. Bob is if you know what's happening, you'll know what to do. So I didn't mean to interrupt your flow of what's happening, but say, you know, Robert Kiyosaki has said for years, savers are losers because of what you just said. So we have to have our motion is a law of God. If air doesn't flow in and out of our bodies or blood doesn't flow through our bodies, we die. If water doesn't flow, it becomes stagnant. If money doesn't flow, it dies because of exactly what you're saying. Yeah,
0: it, it, that's absolutely true. And, um, you know, there are multiple vectors to discuss here, but, you know, um, going back to the why I'll I'll restate it another way is that when you move your money into a qualified plan, you lose control. Yep. You've, you've now entered into a business relationship in which you are uh, a minority partner and you don't make the rules so regardless of the uh perceived rate of return or or whatever financial metric that people put on it you're no longer in control now that's so that's i think one one major major problem and number 2 you know it's interesting is uh, it is a system now set up for those of us that you know maybe care about what's going on to the 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 less fortunate in the world, it's not a system that we do not provide a mechanism for a a nine-year-old like Arkin to even participate. He can't, you know, where does a nine-year-old save money? Where does somebody living in the inner city that maybe can scrape together $50 of savings a a month, where do they put $50? How, How do they not see the value of that $50 a road? What about the fixed income seniors? I just read an article this morning, since you mentioned social security, Jim, that the 2021 20, uh, social security rates have been, payout rates have been announced. Yep. And the average retiree saw a $20 increase per month in their social security. Yep. And that equated to 1.3%. So amazingly, the Fed states a goal of two percent Two percent, and yet, and they're exceeding that number, by the way, and and then Social Security only has a one point three percent raise, so the you know the the that's a losing proposition for all our all the people out there on fixed incomes. They're they're falling further and further behind. Um. So there, you know, there probably is some truth to the rich getting richer, um, because those that are poor don't really have great mechanisms to put their money to work.
1: You know, it's interesting because the social security tax and all of those things that let's just say the, that the poor they're going to live off of. Right. And they're probably going to work a part-time job or maybe even a full-time job in quote retirement. But they also you know, they're they're not being told that there's opportunities to buy cash flowing assets. And and, I mean, even if they had a few cash flowing assets, when you look at what they're going to get from a social security standpoint and everything else, and the money that they put in, I mean, there's nobody that could do that bad with their money. I mean, unless you just really were uh, not paying attention or sleep at the wheel. I mean and and so the problem is is that those people have been trained you know, like 99% of the world has been trained by noise out there and mass movements of hey look at this stock look at this new um this new mutual fund and every day they're told what the dow jones is doing
0: yeah and for those of you who, who maybe have a, quote unquote, financial advisor in your life, um, and I'm going to make a very general statement, but I think it's holistically true. They have a tendency to just regurgitate the same information. Very few financial advisors or investment advisors go peel back the onion and talk about the things or even examine the things that we're talking about here today they just spew the same garbage and the same rhetoric that comes out of um the 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 wall street circle and it it doesn't serve the average person um it doesn't even serve the above average person frankly it serves a very group of elite institutions and people and that's about it And, and everybody else is subservient to that um you know, I, I know we often ask in these podcasts, Jimmy asked people to to uh for book recommendations. So yeah. I'll give you one right now, which is the creature from Jekyll Island. And so I think, you know, if if the folks out there want to start educating themselves about what's really going on, as you said, if Nelson Nelson says if 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 you know what's going on, you'll know what to do. Um go read the creature from Jekyll Island. And if you don't want to read the whole thing, go go find the video or uh or uh um a little synopsis of it because when you see how the money system itself is set up, you'll realize that it's rigged
1: against most of us. Absolutely. I mean, and you know what, you know, what's interesting about that book and the video um, is some things that happen and some things that are out there in the world seem so bizarre and so unbelievable. They're hard to believe, right? Mm -hmm. Even though it's fact, and when you really peel back the onion on this, right, it, it is amazing. And it's hard because I think we have a tendency to put our head in the sand and act like it's not happening. But, you know, it goes back to that a quote that says, and, and, and it's a question of if what you thought to be true turned out not to be true, when would you want to know about it? Now, by the way, Bob, a lot of people don't want to know about it and they end up, and we always say, you know, it, it, 5% of the people think, 10% think they think, and the other 85% would rather die than think Thomas Edison, right? Mm-hmm. And if you really think about that, 85% of the people out there don't want to think that we want to numb ourselves mentally and stay in the herd and act like we're not going to get sheared yeah. until we get sheared. And then we think, well, that's not fair. Why'd that happen? Yep. Yep.
0: And you know, I get it at one level, which is, you know, whatever, whatever you do out in the world, if you're, if you're an engineer, like I used to be, or you manage a grocery store or, you know, you, you're, um, uh, Working at J.C. Penney's, or you know, whatever it is you do in the world, um, I'm sure when you get home at night, you're tired, and you're mentally spent, and you're maybe physically spent, and you just want to, you just want to chill, right? And thinking about your money, and thinking about how to put it to work, or, or you know what the government is doing, or you know all that, you know. Uh, some some people might even think about what we're talking about as you know yet another conspiracy theory of some sort. Whether that's you know we're dealing with election conspiracy theories and COVID conspiracy theories and um, did Jeffrey Epstein die I and mean, we have all this stuff out there um, and and they're like oh this is just you know noise. But it, the, the truth of the matter it's not and and maybe it's the most important one because it it concerns you know your wealth and your future and you know your place in it and and uh, you know you've you've used this a lot jim you know how how often do people that follow the herd end up doing better than others in the herd it doesn't work that way right you know that's against the herd the herd ends up in the same place right and if you think the herd is all going to end up in some prosperity point well you know then you know i i wish you the best um but i'll bring this back to um a little bit of economic theory um something that some of you can google if you if you'd like or something called the cantillon effect c-a-n-t-i-l-l-o-n and cantillon was an economics um a french economist back in the times in kings and queens and what he noticed was that the people closest to the king's money did the best and he came up with this theory that has proven to be um alarmingly um correct which is that as new money flows into the world and it used to be kings that created the new money right um those those closest to that or those with first access to it did the best and those with the furthest access from it as it trickled out through the economy did the worst so okay and as you can guess the the rich people and the bankers were closest to the kings and the poor people the peasants um, working the fields and baking bread did the worst well the same thing happens today and yet we're in a period of unprecedented money creation. So I'll give you a, just a couple stats. In the year 2000, what we call uh, the M2 portion of the money supply. Okay, um, again, you can you can Google that and see what that really means. But it's it's for the most part um, all the cash and money and savings accounts and and uh, checking accounts around the world, right? It's that money. Um, uh, it was at about four point six trillion dollars. Today, twenty years later, it's at eighteen point uh, eight trillion mm. So three and a half times. Now, interestingly, since the first of the year, we've added approaching now four trillion though. So we've added more money to the money supply between the beginning of this year and now, or the same amount roughly, as we even had in the year 2000. Now, one thing to remember is that the way the Cantillon effect works, it's not instant, okay? It takes several years for this money to bleed through the system. So what inflates first are assets. Wall Street essentially is where the inflation takes place. So all these things about, like, geez, you know, the the world is suffering. World appears to be suffering because of all the effects of COVID. But we haven't seen any any steam let out of Wall Street, right? We're we're hitting record highs. Why is it the Cantillon effect? And who's benefiting? Only those people most heavily invested in Wall Street. And and who's going to pay? It's going to be two, three, four, five years down the road before the effects of this really hit. And so um, that's another kind of uh, side effect of this system is that, you know, inflation is is like, um, oh, you know, maybe an obese person who, who uh, goes through their 20s and their 30s and their 40s and they're apparently fine. And then, you know, boom, one day they have, they have diabetes, right. It, 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 it kind of catches up late. It has this, this, this kind of effect. And so, you know, it's, it's my opinion um, that we're going to see a world where I don't want to say necessarily hyperinflation. I can't put a specific number on it, but we're going to see the fed have a really difficult time even keeping two percent inflation in check that we're going to see a rise in it but we're not going to see uh, we're not going to see higher interest rates on things like savings accounts and cds right we may see negative rates there um and so i i think that protecting yourself against that is really important and the way to do that Comes back to the things that you know we've frankly been teaching people all along about, which is you know if you buy cash-flowing assets that you control, you know those assets and that cash flow should appreciate um, at rates equal to or greater than whatever inflation throws at us. Additionally, um, you know things like whole life insurance contracts that have a guaranteed rate of return um, on cash value. Will float up as well. They they will respond. They by the way also have the benefit of um, right now having a guaranteed rate that that is is double the stated goal of inf- the Fed's stated goal of inflation. Um, and then there are things like um, uh, basically alternative money systems like Bitcoin, where you can you can essentially remove yourself. In your dependency on the dollar and go to a different monetary system.
1: Absolutely. You know, the thing that if you, in my mind, if we invest in things that outpace inflation, right? Throughout history. And if we can't reverse that effect on inflation, we might as well, like Nelson again would say is you might as well bit, dig a hole and crawl in it because you, you have to overcome that. And the only way to overcome it is to outpace it. Again, if you know what's happening, you'll know what to do. Okay. If they're going to devalue my currency, well, you can get out of that currency, just like you said, right. There's some things that maybe you can't get out of that are dollar based. So what do you do? You have to outpace it. You have to, use, you have to use the concepts that the banks are using to kill it in high. I mean, they make money in a high interest rate environment and a low interest rate environment. And I agree with you, Bob. They figured out, hey, look, people don't even expect a return on their money that they put with us, that they deposit with us. Look, they'll take nothing. Now what they're really thinking then is I wonder if they would pay us. Yeah. To um I wonder if they would pay us for us to take their money and make a lot of money from them. Yes. Now <laughs> right?
0: They they will. And and there are places in the world where it's happening right now. There I know,
1: because they'll accept it. Yeah. People right? are going along. Yep. So if you think about that. Right. We use an example when we talk to people about what a bank does, where you put a deposit down at the bank and they're going to pay you 0.2 percent and they're going to earn five point two percent on that money. And we show that it's approximately a twenty six hundred percent rate of return. Okay, it's kind of the concept of what they're doing. But what people really never grasp is that if you have money deposited at the bank, and you have money borrowed from the bank, then the bank is really making 2,600% more than you with your money from you. And sometimes people justify, Bob, well, no, 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 I have my money deposited at Regions Bank and I have money borrowed from Bank of America. Well, there's only one banking system in the world. It's kind of like there's only one water supply in the world, as Nelson points out in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Mm -hmm. So if you have money borrowed and you have money deposited, they're making that from you. 2,600%. And you're okay with that because you don't realize that it's happening. Mm -hmm. But I keep on saying this, and I hate to say it over and over again. But if you know what is happening, you'll know what to do. So if that's what's happening, Bob, let's kind uh, uh, of you know, get this, this wrapped up and get people to really clarify, what do I do? If that's what's happening, what do I do?
0: Yeah, well, you know, you got to get your, your money um, out of
1: that system and in your own. Yeah, absolutely. You have to take, you said it, you got to take back control of your money mm-hmm. because there, how many things in your life, Bob, did you just kill it when somebody else controlled your money?
0: <laughs> yeah, um, let me think a little harder because I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank.
1: Okay. So then let me ask you a different question okay this might seem like an obvious or silly question but how when you did control the money did you win or did you lose
0: yeah no i i won then and uh i have as you know i have some horror stories of of when others controlled it so
1: yeah and i by the way You know, I always marvel at that because you told me that, you know, and and basically I'll give the thumbnail sketch of kind of what Bob did. But when Bob was at Gateway and had a considerable amount of money to invest, being an engineer and being conservative and thinking, well, this is a considerable uh, uh, amount of money. So I'm going to spread this out amongst a few people. Okay. And he gave them each different objectives. Like the overall objective was don't lose my money, right? So it wasn't, hey, I want you to take a flyer on this stock or whatever. All three of them lost. All three of them. These were three of the top people in the Midwest to uh, supposedly to do money management or, you know, or at least in that state, in that area. Right. Which, by the way, there was a lot of money from Gateway. So you would assume that these people were quality advisors. And mm-hmm. and they all lost. So when you took back control of your money in business and real estate and things like that, that's when you win. But that's when you win
0: and, and even if I lose, at least I can take personal accountability for that decision. Absolutely. That's that's the other thing, you know, which, you know, I, that, that was the bewildering thing for me, just to, the epilogue on that story was that it took me 10 years to essentially fire everybody. And I had not only lost money, but the engineer in me had done the same calculations that I just talked about, which is, Hey, not only did I lose money, meaning that I got less I got back less than $1 that I gave each of those guys. But then I looked at inflation and I said, Oh my goodness, you know, what, you know, what happened? Because this pretty good chunk pile of money had, had dwindled materially and, and, and I lost 10 years in the process, but, but I take responsibility for having given them that control and, um, you know, I can, I could only move forward from that point, uh, which was, by the way, that was the very point that you and I met each other was yeah. the of that process.
1: Yeah. Cause it was my job to straighten out one of those accounts that you lost on. And, <laughs> uh, um, and we did in, and, um, and it, it started our friendship and started some of our business ventures. I mean, eventually it would have started those yeah. and, and, uh, and I'm really excited for the future Of what's happening in our businesses, and uh, that we're both suffering through this Florida winter down here, and it's only 83 today, and I think there is a cloud in the sky, but I'm not sure where it's at. But (laughs) Mm -hmm. so all those, you know, those that that kind of started that that ball rolling. So Mm -hmm. things always happen for a reason. You have to always make your future bigger than your past. Whatever you've saved and whatever you've put in Wall Street. At this point, it's it's water under the bridge. I mean, you have to just, it's, you know, you have to say, okay, what do I do now? Right. And taking back control. But Bob, any any final thoughts on inflation?
0: Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, we could go on and on and maybe we'll even do a part two down the road. But um, I, I want to peel back the curtain one more layer and I'll do that in my, my I guess, my final statements here is that, Inf- inflation is not something I think we should accept lightly. At a personal level, you know, know that it's there and work work in a way, just as we've been describing, to take control of your money and put it in places where you can outperform it. But now step back at a macro level and look at it as a citizen, as as part of this country and what's happening. And I, I would encourage all of you to object to what's happening Because inflation is a tax. Um, It is a regressive tax, meaning it hurts the poor more than the rich. Um, You can make an argument that it's actually theft or even slavery. And I'll I'll save those arguments for another another day. It's a stealth Uh, tax
1: too. Nobody approved it.
0: Yeah, yeah, we didn't. Nobody approved it, but it's pulling a massive, massive amount of wealth out of people's pockets and and deploying it in places that we don't even know about. Um, the second thing I'll tell you is that money that you do have in the bank uh, is also feeding the system. So with without your deposits in the bank, in a traditional bank, the fed can't do what it does it uses fractional reserve banking and that banking system to make more money that's that's um a big piece of what it does and so a way for you to fight as a citizen as somebody who maybe wants to um try to stop inflation is don't feed the beast you know we none of us can live with with Without some of the money in the system, that's not practical today. That could change in the next decade, but it's not possible today. But keep a minimal amount there and keep the other money in other places. Um, Whole life insurance is a great place for that. There are others. Um, I mentioned Bitcoin or some of the cryptocurrencies. You can keep it in gold, which is quasi-separated. But if you keep your money there, you're not keeping it in the system and you're not feeding the beast.
1: I like that. I think that's a good place to kind of wrap up this episode, Bob, is don't feed the beast. And, and by the way, a beast is scary. And the system is scary. If you really peel back the onion and see what's there, it's frightening. And it's, and it's, it's crazy that that's the system that we're living in. And there, it's, it's just, we could go on and on. And it could be really a dark kind of ending, but what I want to tell people and finish up with Bob is that there is light at the end of the tunnel. There are things that you can do to not only stop feeding the beast, but defeat the beast. Right. And you, you have to take back control of your money, take back to the you and me level, the banking function in your life. That's what we do every day. at create tailwind is show people how to do that. And we do it because of what we just talked about on this show is one of the reasons is this is happening. So if this is happening. You have to do something to defeat it. And if there's a, if there's a dark force trying to enslave you financially, the only thing that cures or kills darkness is the light is knowing the right thing to do and, 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 you know, all of these concepts, by the way, because now I'm, I'm, I'm slipping into a uh, a Bible lesson there somewhere, Bob, but um, is there in the Bible, there's only one thing that kills darkness and that's the light. Right. And in the Bible, the Bible talks to us about putting our money in motion, right? There is no, it, it, and they say the least that you can do is give the money to the bankers to earn interest. That's the least you can do. Mm-hmm. But, but, any famous last words, Bob, before we wrap up? Well, hard to hard to beat a biblical
0: passage like that. So I think I'm going to not
1: try. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for coming back on. We will dive into this even uh, deeper and we will keep this topic going. And as we wrap up the year and everybody's planning on what's happening in 2021 on our next show, we're going to talk a little bit about that and how to make your future always brighter than your past. Until next time, I'm your host, Jim Oliver. Thank you, Bob Burnett for joining us. Break away. Let's do it.
0: Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your own terms? We'd love to help. Go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation.